I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hour two of the nightcap here on VSIN, the sports betting network. That is Scott Seidenberg. I am Tim Murray. We've got a new Stanley Cup champion. Well, They're not, not new. A, not a new Stanley Cup champion. We've got the same, same old, same old Stanley Cup champion. That is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They get it done tonight by a final score of one to nothing. And the stat that you mentioned, I, I feel like bears repeating, uh, especially for folks that took Vasilevsky to win the Conn Smythe. Going back to the Stanley Cup final of last year, mm-hmm. when the Lightning blanked the Stars two to nothing to win the Stanley Cup, last five series clinching victories, all shutouts. Yep, Mr. Vasilevsky is uh, pretty good at his job. Yeah, 29 saves in uh, round one this year against the Panthers, 29 against the Hurricanes in round two, 18 against the Islanders in the semis, and 22 tonight here in the Stanley Cup final. Vasilevsky will be the Conn Smythe winner, and uh, congratulations and well-deserved. And for the Tampa Bay Lightning, this is going to be an interesting run for them. This is now back-to-back Stanley Cup uh, wins, and they are one of the favorites to win it again next year. There's some cap issues that they're going to have to deal with, but as long as they keep the core together with Vasilevsky and Net, uh, they're certainly going to be right in the mix of teams to win the Cup again next year. Uh, looking at the uh, the preseason odds from DraftKings, uh, they weren't the favorites, but they were the second shortest odds out there. Colorado, the Avalanche came in. <laughs> they were the best team in the NHL in the regular season, and they were the favorites entering the postseason. Tampa Bay had a had a bit of an up-and-down regular season. They mm-hmm. were only the three-seed coming out of their uh, division, but they get it done, and, and they're the champs. Uh, but plus 750 was the price for Tampa preseason. Colorado was plus 650. Vegas at 8-1. to one. If you were wondering, Montreal preseason at DraftKings was 26-1, to one, and... Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning able to get it done. Uh, they they take care of business, and and what an impressive run this postseason. They they needed seven games against the Islanders. You know the the Islanders were kind of a pain in in the you know what for them. Six game series over Florida, as you mentioned, four nothing win to close out the first round. Where they remember, you know, they started the playoffs on the road. They were the mm-hmm. three seed in that division. They win it. They go to Colorado or Carolina, excuse me. They win four out of five there. Then the Islanders. Uh, who were the four seed coming out of their division, so they were the higher seed, and they win at home one nothing in game number seven there, and they win it tonight one nothing as well. So the Stanley Cup uh, finals are over, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are your champions. Yeah, congratulations. And it's going to be interesting, like I mentioned, uh, this offseason for them, um, you know, with the cap issues, they're going to lose player, the expansion draft, so uh, they're, they're going to look a little different next year, but as long as the nucleus is the same. Uh, also, next year, we'll, we'll get back to normal. There'll be mm-hmm. divisions, and we'll have an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference, and so the schedule will be a little bit different. And, uh, you know, this they deserve this break now. Um, enjoy it. 
the, the city deserves this because Ooh. last year they didn't get a chance to celebrate with the, the bubble and no fans in the arenas. And so now it's a real uh, great chance for them to just honor this team, which is in the midst of a really good run here and one that might not be over if they can win another one in the next couple of seasons. We could be talking about a, a dynasty period right now. Yeah, back-to-back titles for the Tampa Bay Lightning going back to 04. This is their third title uh, in this uh, in this century, so the Tampa Bay Lightning really proving to be one of the uh, premier franchises, uh, obviously in the NHL as they get it down, uh, get it done. And Ross Colton once again scoring your lone goal, thirteen twenty seven into that third period. So the Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions. So no more hockey, uh, but we will get a expansion draft here for the Seattle Kraken. I think mm-hmm. in uh, just a couple of days. Uh, so that'll be uh, certainly the crack. <laughs> uh, and by the way, uh, the nightcap NHL correspondent who uh, decided to go on the road for games four and five, Darren Banks, uh, just mm-hmm. texted me and, and reminded me that uh, he had bolts in five. So well done. Well done. Well done, Banksy. You get that victory. Uh, good job there. I you also uh, were on the Bruins, and then you were on the Abs, <laughs> and then the Knights, and then the Bulls, and then the Bulls. So you know, third time was the charm. But uh, good call on Banksy. Uh, the Lightning get it done, one to nothing. We're kind of happy. We're you know the parlays came home, but eh, not the not the puck line. It's the nightcap. The nightcap here on VSIN, hour number two. We've got a Stanley Cup champ, and it's a team that you know, Tampa Bay Lightning. They mm-hmm. win one to nothing tonight over the Montreal Canadiens. So, anyone who had Montreal, or excuse me, Tampa Bay in five, like your good friend Darren Banks, you are a winner. You win that one. If you had the puck line, like Scott and I did, we didn't get that empty netter. We were hoping for it, didn't open up that net until late mm-hmm. and uh, no real opportunities there. So one, nothing. We had a couple parlays, the, the super square parlay that I mentioned, I think you played it as well. The yep. England to advance. It's funny because last night, as I made that bet, I looked up at the board and I said, hmm, England in 90 minutes, minus 144. Now nah, I'll just stay with this parlay. Sometimes you, you get lucky. There you, you go. You don't make those bets, but I did make the bet. Uh, we talked about it quite a bit last night. Uh, Bolts, on the puck line, uh, plus 135. I did that two nights ago. That obviously does not come home, uh, but a win there for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are the Stanley Cup champs, one to nothing. So cash any futures that you may have had. And uh, we've got back-to-back champs. I would say first time since, but the Pittsburgh Penguins did it, what, in 16 and 17? Yeah, so it hasn't that been that long, long ago, ago no. that we saw back-to-back champs. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. And, and yeah, and, and again, I'll repeat myself. I do think that Tampa has a strong case to be one of the favorites to win it again next season. It's just a matter of the roster construction and what they do with their cap situation. And uh, real quickly, there are some odds out there. Uh, Colorado and Vegas open up as your co-favorites I, I, yeah. at 5-1 to one and Tampa Bay at 7-1. to one. Those odds courtesy of the Westgate Superbook. All right, let's head to uh, the state of Illinois, not Colorado anymore, and bring in our good friend Brad Evans, uh, who is uh, who is now trying to figure out ways with uh, NIL being passed to have Kofi Coburn be a sponsor or him to give money to Kofi Coburn so he comes back to his Alina. What scheme do you have working? I, I know you've got something in the works to make Kofi Coburn your intern or something to get him come back to your Alina. 
Well, you know, uh, I'm no longer part of the FTN network group, so uh, I, you know, I may have a few dollars uh, stashed away in regards to that. And you know, as a result, I've taken the money gained from that and I've reinvested into a hot dog stand because Kofi Coburn is a big man with a big appetite, and he could sell a lot of tube meats. Mustard only, you morons. Mustard only, unless you're under the age of 16, then ketchup is allowed. You know what? I, I think that's fair. My son, I, I allow him to use ketchup on his mm-hmm. hot dog, but yeah, post post a certain age, it is. I mean, I'm a spicy brown guy. You know, if you give me yellow, I'll use it. But I'm I'm pretty much a spicy brown guy uh, exclusively. Uh, I'm curious though, Brad. You do fade the noise uh, each and every morning. Uh, great podcast, great listen, easy listen uh, with uh, with Nate Lundy. Nate's a big hockey guy. Uh, what were some plays? Did you have any plays tonight? Uh, both Scott and I. Uh, kind of a mixed bag. We like the puck line tonight, uh, but we also had a, a super square parlay with uh, England earlier today. So we, we, we broke around even. How did you fare on uh, Stanley Cup tonight? Uh, I did not wager on anything in, in, in regards to the puck because I know nothing about hockey uh, any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so I fully admit that. Lundy, I believe, had the lightning on the 60-minute line, if I remember correctly. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think he got the MVP correct as well, uh, the goalies whose name I cannot pronounce and I would butcher <laughs> here on air. So uh, congrats to Nate Lundy because he, this is why he is a part of the Faith the Noise podcast because not only is he handsome and dashing and has dulcet tones, uh, but he knows everything about the puck, and, and that is a severe weakness of mine. Well, uh, what's not a weakness of yours is football, certainly, Brad, and I want to ask you a Bears question here because it's an interesting prop bet to wager on. You can get some plus money if you like this situation, and that is who's going to be the starting quarterback in week one? Is yeah. it Andy Dalton or Justin Fields? And Justin Fields at plus 300 might be worth a little sprinkle here. Yeah, well, look, if we had a sensible head coach, you know, Matt Nagy, his head is trapped in a deep, dark and stinky place, unfortunately, gentlemen. And I don't think he is going to pull head from posterior anytime soon. And as a result, you know, I truly believe the words that are coming out of his mouth that Andy Dalton is the guy. Uh, they're going to stand by Andy Dalton for as long as they can, which will probably be through one half of the regular season. Because here's what we know about Andy Dalton, America, when the prime time lights are turned on. Uh, he wilts under those primetime lights, and that's exactly what's going to happen uh, in the Bears opener at L.A. against the Rams, who have arguably the most formidable defense on paper uh, entering the regular season. So Andy Dalton's going to go out there and lay not a chicken-sized egg. We're talking an ostrich-sized egg to be- begin his Bears career. It'll probably be three picks in the first half. One will go for six, guaranteed. And the smattering of booze that you're going to hear in that fancy smanshy new stadium there in Los Angeles uh, that's actually going to have fans, uh, there'll be uh, you know some Bears fans there, and they will be yelling for Justin Fields uh, to see action in the second half. So, you know, I think realistically it's going to be Justin Fields after the Andy Dalton revenge game week two against Cincinnati. Uh, Fields <laughs> will probably be the starter against Detroit uh, at home week four. That makes the most sense. But come on, Nagy, actually have a quarterback competition for the love of the sports betting gods. At Noisy Wavos is where you can find Brad. Check out his show, uh, his podcast, Fade the Noise, with Nate Lundy, also uh, on SiriusXM as well on a weekday basis. Um, Brad, let's stick with the theme of Titletown, which apparently is Tampa, because they have your Stanley Cup champions, they have your NFL <laughs> champions, you have your American League champions. Now, I know they didn't yeah. win the World Series, but still, they were 
pretty damn good, and they might, uh, they probably won't win the AL East, but they're, they're not bad. Um, Mike Evans, uh, another year for, for Mr. Evans getting passes from Tom Brady, who uh, maybe should stick to football and not golf. Um, <laughs> what, uh, we got an over-under on receiving touchdowns at nine, slightly juiced to the over at minus 120. 17 games now. Mike Evans, over-under nine touchdowns for the, uh, the defending champs. Yeah, and I also hear that Tampa crushes a pickleball. I'm sure uh, they do. <laughs> just a hunch. Just a hunch there. That's all I'm going to throw out. But, uh, look, I will say this. My cousin Mike Evans, I would absolutely slam the over on this on the nine touchdowns. You know, this is a guy last season uh, who had the highest red zone target percentage of any wide receiver in the league with at least 50 targets. Uh, he's also, he was a top nine in end zone targets a season ago. He had the 13 total touchdowns uh, and he was battling through some hamstring injuries, uh, you know, and, and setbacks earlier in this uh, in the season. And he was still, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb inside that red zone for Tom terrific. So you know, they've got the established rapport and the chemistry now. It's all about continuity in Tampa. You know, what's really changed? You know, it's still Chris Godwin there. You got Gronk, of course. Maybe get O.J. Howard back. Maybe he's going to, you know, carve out a little bit larger role than people anticipate. Antonio Brown now back in the mix. But Mike Evans is the main man uh, when this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense it wants to attack vertically inside the 20-yard line. So, uh, I think it's going to be another double-digit touchdown performance for Mike Evans. I hate how there's no hook on this line. Mm. I think every sports book should offer old, old Captain Hook, yar. Uh, and hopefully, if they did, you know, in this case, it would, uh, you know, reduce the juice overall. But you know, whether you're getting at minus 110, minus 120, or plus odds, if you do find a hook at another sports book, I think Evans will reach double figures in the touchdown category here in 2021. Brad, let's uh, take the quarterbacks out of the equation here for a second. Is there a rookie skill position player that you're bullish bullish on this year? Oh, yes. Uh, Najee Harris. I, I have naughty thoughts about him from a sports <laughs> betting perspective, gentlemen. I love everything that the books are putting out on this guy right now, whether it's a rush yards prop, whether it's offensive rookie of the year, which most books have anywhere between uh, eight to one to twelve to one, but more importantly, I would break out the da 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 that good old sledgehammer on the over on receptions. It is absurd that the number right now being offered at DraftKings is I've seen it at points bet as well as at forty four and a half catches. And Najee Harris is the new Le'Veon Bell within this scheme. And I know some people are going to point to the Pittsburgh Steelers last season. You know, the very low reception yield among running backs. Uh, number 24 of the league was 60 in total. But, you know, you go back to the prior two years in, in 2018 and 2019, uh, 2019, 93 catches the running back position. And in 2018, 88 catches. Uh, that was largely, of course, with James Conner. So, you know, Harris has the skills to pay the betting bills. We know this. Uh, he was top 10 in total yak last season with Alabama. Among all FBS rushers, he was top 10 as well in yards after contact uh, in uh, the FBS category. So I think he's going to step in. I think he is a near lock, and I don't like to throw that L word out liberally mm. uh, to get at least 300 touches. And I think a lot of that's going to come vertically because the offensive line has a lot of issues, uh, and the Steelers in general with all the weapons that they have, and, and Claypool and Juju and Deontay Johnson, that flat's going to be open early and often for Najee Harris, and then Ben Roethlisberger is going to find him. And I, I will go out on a limb and say this, guys. Uh, I think it's not going to be a 50-catch season. I think it's going to be a 60-catch season. Mark it down. 70-plus catches for Najee Harris in his inaugural campaign. Woo. Wow. 43 receptions last year 
in Alabama, and uh, I, I don't disagree whatsoever, especially with that offensive line. Uh, Ben's not going to have a ton of time to sit back there, so having a safety valve in Najee Harris. But let's get to Offensive Rookie of the Year while we're on it. Uh, DraftKings, you've seen uh, him drop like a, a rock, and maybe that's because your entire bankroll is probably on Najee Harris to win <laughs> Offensive Rookie of the Year there, Brad. Uh, who else jumps out at you? I've got a couple uh, plays on, on, on O'Roy. Uh, I've got 101, 100 to 1 on Trey Sermon, uh, a 14 to 1 on Jamar Chase, a 14 to 1 on Kyle Pitts. So those are the couple flyers I've got right now in the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, outside of Mr. Harris, who are you uh, keying in on as potential offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I got two guys. Uh, first and foremost, Trey Lance. Uh, I got him at 10 to 1 a few weeks back, and I've seen the line now diminish to plus 750 at some outlets. And, you know, you, you see the smoke that is bellowing right now, according to some of the local reports that the Athletic is putting out uh, from San Francisco that. You know, everything that gets brought up, it's about the chemistry that Lance has had, you know, in minicamp and how impressive his football IQ is and the processing and the reads and the progressions and all that good stuff. And you're not hearing anything about Jimmy Garoppolo at all, anywhere. And, and I think Dre Lance uh, has a realistic shot of winning this gig out of training camp, uh, you know, making that enormous leap from the FCS level in North Dakota State E uh, to the NFL. But I believe he has all the tools in the box to be instantly successful at this next level with a probably a top 10 offensive line. He could argue he's going to have a top 10 supportive defense as well. That strong ground game. Uh, reading reports this week that you know the Niners may want to run it 500 times with Sermon and Mostert and Wayne Gallman. Uh, and, you know, if they do do that, uh, no better player to run that offense than an RPO-style guy in Trey Lance, who would probably indeed have his own number called 100 times on the ground. So I love that scoring duality. And on a team that is built and very well constructed to win and win right now, I think he's got a great shot of hoisting the hardware in the end. And then to go a little bit longer, Javante Williams. I call him Juggernaut Javante. Uh, kid for North Carolina. Last season, he worked in tandem with Michael Carter and, I don't know if it was a bunch of Casper the Friendly Ghosts in the ACC when it came to, you know, playing tackle football, but the guy accumulated a 48.4% missed tackle rate. <laughs> That's obscene. That's explicit. It's ridiculous. And I think he is going to outplay. He's going to outlast Melvin Gordon III, who's done himself uh, really no favors this offseason with a holdout, uh, kind of a grumpy old cat. And I think uh, Javante is going to win this you know, gig moving forward. It may be a bit of an RBBC uh, to begin the year, but I would say by mid-season, it's going to be 70-30. Juggernaut Javante, I think he's this year's Jonathan Taylor and a guy who's going to finish very strong in the end, whether it's Teddy Two Gloves or maybe a certain complicated fella under center there in Denver. Brad, what's your uh, opinion on Saquon Barkley coming back from the injury? His rushing yard total prop is at 1175. Now, his rookie year, 1,300 yards. He had 1,000 yards in just 13 games his uh, second year and then obviously missed last year with the injury. So bouncing back from the injury, where do you expect his rushing total to sit at? Yeah, I think it's a really good number. And, you know, if I had a lean, it'd be slightly to the over. I mean, we've been seeing him working out on the beach. Uh, and, he, I mean, he looks good to go. I mean, he's rippled. He's in excellent shape. He looks uh, limber. He looks fit. Uh, looks like a guy that is uh, ready for a bounce-back season. I, I think the biggest question mark for the New York Giants, twofold one, Daniel Jones. And, you know, will he be the quarterback that we saw in his rookie campaign? Yeah, he made some vertical mistakes, uh, but still, you know, he was attacking downfield. He's displayed that duality, kept defenses on their toes. 
you know, last season, a guy that was out of sorts. Now, I will say this, adding Kenny Galladay to the mix certainly helps everybody. Uh, within this offensive scheme, particularly Saquon, uh, seeing fewer stack fronts if, you know, Kenny G can play that smooth sax and stay healthy. Uh, but you look at what Daniel Jones did last season. Uh, the one saving grace of his year uh, was the fact that he was number one among all eligible quarterbacks in deep ball passer rating. Those are chucks beyond 20 yards. So that should mesh quite nicely with the field stretching ways of Kenny Galladay. And if Saquon gets back to his uh, wrecking ball ways, you know, pre-injury, which I think he will. I mean, he was three-plus yak per attempt uh, the prior two years until last season's premature dismissal. Uh, I, I think he's going to get to, you know, probably around 1,200, 1,225 rushing yards. Uh, I'm buying on Saquon, uh, though a lot of people right now are fading because they are drunk on recency bias. I actually like the Giants to win the division a little bit at those price at the yep. price of plus four fifty. You know, you just never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates uh, there <laughs> in the NFC East. Uh, Brad, I have a question to ask you about college hoops, but you're going to go too long because you talk forever. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> these are facts, Murray. These are facts. <laughs> All right, I, we'll save it. Johnny Juzang coming back to UCLA. So rejoice there uh, in Burbank, everybody. Uh, he'll be back with the Bruins. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Evans, enjoy yourself in the great state of Illinois, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, definitely. And I'm telling you, uh, I'll leave you this, this parting shot, UCLA. Let's cut down the nets right now. If you can find any value, I'm going to win the whole shebang. Do it now before it evaporates. <laughs> there he is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy college basketball, uh, season and, uh, yeah, Brad's the best, and he's, he's trying to figure out ways to uh, convince Kofi Coburn to come on back to Champaign for another year. That's Scott Seidenberg. I'm Tim Murray. Got a Stanley Cup champion. We'll tell you more about it. Who won the con Smythe as well? Stick around. It's the Nightcap here on VC. In baseball, is it possible to put some runs on layaway? <laughs> I, and that would be nice. Uh, just, just asking for a friend and a Nats fan. The Nationals are up nine, nothing in the third. They were a pretty significant underdog here tonight. They were plus one sixty at some spots here in town, and they're up nine, nothing in the top of the third. So, as uh, I believe. Uh, the great Aaron Oster once said, baseball's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, there's a lot of things that you really just can't explain that happen over the course of uh, Major League Baseball games, especially recently with the whole crackdown on the spider tack and other sticky substances. We're seeing pitchers be less and less dominant. We're seeing bullpens be less and less dominant because the hard throwers are maybe losing control of their fastballs a little bit, not being able to have as good a grip as they used to have on their fastballs. Uh, we're seeing runs being scored, and a lot of underdogs are winning uh, recently in Major League Baseball. I think you'd be very profitable if you just played the dogs here uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, yeah, looking at the game going on right now, and you've got San Francisco, A uh, they're up 2-1, bottom five. You've got a... But a play on San Fran tonight? Yep. Okay. Uh, on the Giants, and, uh, you know, we'll see what uh, what comes through. But uh, Oviedo, winless this season for the uh, Cardinals, and he's already out of the game uh, here in the fifth inning. And then uh, we talked about it earlier, uh, no, uh, no Herman for the Yankees. So they actually went off as a dog against the Seattle Mariners, and they're up 5-1 in the bottom of the third. Yeah. So. 
Uh, <laughs> you could have got you could have got a pretty nice price on uh, on the Yankees on the road with uh, a, an emergency starter after some emergency uh, dentistry on uh, Mr. Herman there, but uh, they lead five to one. That one in uh, in the third inning in Seattle. So some late night. Late night games, Arizona and Colorado, the game everyone is, uh, is, is hoping for an update on because, you know, those two tremendous teams. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, a road underdog, excuse me, a home underdog up 3-0 on the Colorado Rockies. And, and by the way, congrats to the Cubs. Your 11-game losing streak over. They beat the Phillies today after losing yesterday 15-10. They win 8-3 uh, earlier Today, we have a Stanley Cup champ. It's same old, same old. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They get it done again. And uh, this is not a surprise, but uh, just fair to say, Andre Vasilevsky, he indeed is your Con Smythe winner. So there you go. Yeah, we, we talked about it, the shutouts that he's pitched in the closeout games for the Lightning, not just this postseason, but dating back. Uh, to the clinching game in last year's uh, Stanley Cup final. Um, he's been incredible for them this entire run. Uh, they He wins games for them. Uh, and that's the difference between Vasilevsky and, and some other goaltenders uh, throughout the NHL. Like, you know, uh, I think it was one of our guests um, who talked about, um, you know, you look at Colorado, they're such a good team. And Grubauer is a really good goaltender, but he doesn't, exactly win you games by himself if your team makes mistakes you know he'll he'll certainly have really good games for you but he won't steal a game for you Andre Vasilevsky is the type of goaltender that will steal you a game when you don't have your best effort in front of him so he full out deserves this award congratulations and now we'll see what the Lightning do this offseason with some cap situations the expansion draft and uh how they will do next season with a, a real you know an actual I don't want to say a real, but a regular, right? Regular season. Some traveling involved. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a little bit of travel, but more traveling, normal schedule, fans in opposing arenas. Uh, but the Lightning get it done tonight, one to nothing. The final score over the Montreal Canadiens. So the total, obviously, a five going well under. And uh, if you played the puck line, uh, you did not get the victory uh, mm-hmm. in, in the plus money. We saw that puck line move quite a bit throughout the day. Uh, you saw it last night before we signed off, plus 130. It closed in some spots as low as plus 105. The Lightning uh, win one nothing. Don't get that empty netter that both Scott and I were hoping for. Ross Colton scores your lone goal, so you could have cashed 20-1 to on him scoring the game's first goal. That came 13-27 into the second period. That's correct. Uh, you know, So congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well-deserved. And, uh, Tim, I got some breaking Major League Baseball okay. news. Uh, Major League Baseball has set the bracket for the home run derby. We know what the bracket will look like in the first round. And so uh, I'll, we'll give those yeah. to you and let's, do a little let's, predictions. Let's tease it. Let's tease it. <laughs> Heading in. So we got we got a bracket. I like that. So we got uh, an eight-person bracket uh, for Major League Baseball's home run derby. And that means probably tomorrow we'll have some odds on the home run derby. Maybe we could set it. We'll set our own odds. I like that. On the other side as well. So uh, home run derby bracket. Are you ready? Well, you better be because we're going to give it to you. Once again, Tampa Bay, the Lightning, get it done. They win one to nothing tonight to win the Stanley Cup for a second consecutive year. Scott Seidenberg, I'm Tim Murray. It's the Nightcap here on VC.
VEASAN.com, and VEASAN is your betting headquarters for UFC 264. We're bringing you in-depth analysis of McGregor Poirier, the main event on Saturday night, plus key bouts on the undercard from our full team of experts, including Lou Finnecaro, Reed Kuhn, who will join this program tomorrow night, and Jordan Sherwood. Sign up for your free VEASAN letter newsletter, that is, to receive our digital guide and tune in Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific for First Strike, our live preview show hosted by Dave Ross. Get everything you need for betting UFC 264. Sign up now for your free UFC 264 betting guide. Head to vsin.com backslash free. Well, we mentioned it going to break. Tremendous tease, might I add, from the, uh, from the nightcap crew as Major League Baseball finalized the home run derby earlier today and we've got ourselves a bracket i actually like this i like that they've done they did mm-hmm, this uh mm-hmm. they've been doing this for a couple of years scott so let's take a look at the graphic uh that was just tweeted out by mlb on twitter so there you have it one through eight and let's start in the upper quadrant shohei otani like it's uh like it's selection sunday here Shohei Otani against... The number one seed, Shohei Otani. I tell you As what. they show him, like, celebrating, like, his name being called. Juan know? Soto's the, uh, the 16th seed. Woo! We're yeah. pull it up. So, I, On look, a delay, though. After yeah. they announce the name, there's a little bit of a lag before you see the team celebrating. I'm telling you right now, and this is, this is not just the homer in me, but this is a tough draw for Shohei Otani. Look, he's the... He's going to be the favorite to win this uh, event. But Juan Soto has got some serious pop, and he hit a home run tonight. He's starting to get into a groove uh, here for the Nationals. Uh, two good friends of mine, co- former colleagues, host a podcast uh, talking Nats, and Mark Zuckerman, who covers the team from AssonSports.com, said that maybe the home run derby would be great for him. You could get that launch angle back mm. because the home runs really weren't there up until recently at an opposite field home run tonight. Uh, he had a home run the other day. He's only got 11 homers on the year. Um, I, I think this is a tough matchup, and I'd be curious to see the price. Uh, I'm sure some books will do head-to-head matchups for the first round. Yep. Um, I would be willing to take, if it's a decent plus price, I would be willing to take a flyer on Juan Soto to beat Shohei Otani in a head-to-head matchup. Let's take our guesses right now. Uh, and by the way, Major League Baseball would not be happy if Otani loses in this no, first round no, 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 to no, no, Juan no. Soto. I'm going to say it's not going to be a heavy favorite for Otani, but I'll go Otani minus 140 Ooh, I think against Juan Soto. I would say minus 200 plus ah, one. Wait, too much. So too you, much. Think, you think minus 140 and then the buyback being either even money or plus 120 for Soto? Yeah, I would say plus 125. Oof, man. I would uh, I wouldn't be thrilled because I, I think Soto for me if if there are matchups I think there will be hopefully tomorrow uh, maybe we'll have to we'll have to send a little note to the uh, the good folks here at Circa we we'll get a little matchups here for this uh, but I think that's a tricky matchup all right staying on the uh, the left side of the bracket that we just <laughs> showed there uh, for those of you watching on Vison.com Salvador Perez against the reigning home run derby champion of the world Pete Alonso. Does Salvador Perez pull it off, or is Pete Alonso keep it rolling from his uh, victory last year? I think uh, Alonso uh, will be favored, and I'll give Alonso the win here uh, going to the semis. I'm going to say Alonso is going to be a heavy favorite uh, over Salvi. Uh, I'm going to go Alonso minus 210. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine the fact that he is the reigning champ. Salvador Perez, 20 home runs this year. Mm-hmm. He is, he's been having a hell of a year. 
for the Kansas City Royals. But um, I, I would agree. I think this is a pretty significant favorite. I think this is a spot where you get a lot of people uh, betting on Pete Alonso. Now, once again, going back to Shohei Otani against Juan Soto, I, I think, you know, think about he leads the major leagues in home runs with 32. Uh, he's just had moonshot after moonshot. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be much steeper price. If okay. there if there is matchups out there, uh, I think you're you're looking at north of minus two dollars, which once again would be for me wishful thinking because I think Juan Soto could win this head-to-head matchup. I think he could get hot there uh, in uh, in that altitude. All right, speaking of altitude, you got the hometown guy in Trevor Story taking on Joey Gallo. So Trevor Story, the uh, the Rocky representative here in the home run derby going up against Joey Gallo the 2 seed uh I don't so Pete Alonso won in 2019 that was not at City Field right no so 2018 was Bryce Harper so he won not too long ago so a hometown guy has won in recent memory with Bryce Harper winning it uh when he was a national in 2018 so Trevor Story being familiar with uh, with everything there do you give him a chance to pull the upset here against Joey Gallo? Not only do I give him a chance to pull the upset, but I actually think he has a great path to the finals. They did Trevor Story a favor here, and I think Trevor Story has a very easy path in the first two rounds uh, to get to that championship round. And yes, he's going to be the hometown favorite. He uh, knows the feel of that batter's box, if you will. He knows the sight lines of that ballpark, so he'll be able to pick the ball up against the batter's eye uh, probably better than anybody else there. Uh, I think that uh, Trevor Story is going to be a nice bet for me to uh, win this home run derby. Well, I can tell you one thing. The guy I'm betting, and I, I, I was blindly going to bet him regardless just because of you know my, my former co-host uh, and Sarah Perlman is you know dating Trey and, and the story of, of Trey Mancini. So I'm all in on Trey. I bet him to, to lead the league in home runs this year. I don't think that's going to get home, but he's in this home run derby, and uh, I, I'm fired up to see him out there. So I, I, I'm curious what the, the future's price, but I, I agree. This right side of the bracket, you look at the left side as you see it right there once again as we're showing it to you, Shohei Otani, Pete Alonso, your defending champ. Uh, Juan Soto, uh, who's a, a certainly, a, I wouldn't say household name, but a familiar name in, mm-hmm, in the baseball mm-hmm. uh, circles. You look at the right side of the bracket, it's, it's kind of just some guys, right? Trevor Story's the, the Rocky, uh, Trey Mancini, the great story, you know, uh, battling cancer, overcoming cancer. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. you. You mentioned Trevor Story's a great uh, draw for him. I think it's a great draw for Trey Mancini. So uh, I'm curious to see that price. But uh uh, certainly playing with the heart a little bit, but I, I would love <laughs> to see Trey Mancini make a run here. And I think he can. I think he can. Sure. Uh, I guess we're both uh, not even paying attention to Matt Olson no. or, or uh, Joey Gallo. I said G-A-L-L-O, uh, Joey Gallo uh, against Trevor Story. It'll be nice. We'll see that Trevor Story-Trey Mancini second-round matchup. Let's go. Uh, I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Hopefully tomorrow night we will have some odds to break down the home run derby. Uh, as, uh, as the bracket is out, Shohei Otani... He leads the league in homers, so no surprise. He's your one seed. Yeah. Tough draw, though. Tough draw. As we always do on Selection Sunday, he gets Juan Soto. Salvador Perez gets Pete Alonso. Joey Gallo against Trevor Story. Matt Olson against Trey Mancini. And odds to come shortly for the home run yeah. derby. There's no doubt about it. Should be a fun betting event. The only thing to bet on right. Monday night. It is the nightcap here on Visa. That's Scott Seidenberg. I'm Tim Murray. Get a little more uh, NFL discussion on the other side right here on Decent.
Nightcap here on Beeson. Uh, we're having some laughs. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult time for broadcasters in Major League Baseball and all sports because mm-hmm. majority of them aren't traveling, and uh, the Yankees are are winning. And uh, Aaron Judge went yard in the first inning tonight. No, it was yesterday. Oh, it, was yesterday. Uh, or it might have been yesterday. That, okay, uh, Judge just... went uh, deep. Let's see, did he go deep tonight? Yeah, no, Judge went deep in the second inning. Correct. Okay, yeah, and. Uh, John Sterling, you know, one of the greats, certainly a guy that you've listened to many, many times. My entire life. Uh, they're calling the games off the monitor, and you get the feed that uh, is sent in there, and I guess there was some confusion, and he thought he was calling a, a live home run, and it was, <laughs> it, was, it was just the replay. They showed the replay of Judge's home run from earlier, and uh, Sterling called it as if it was his second home run of the game, thinking that it was live because he's watching the game on the monitor. Um John Sterling is known for his home run calls, uh, nicknames for players when they do uh, hit a home run, and the famous sayings, you know, all rise for Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, there were so many different other ones for, for players in years past. But uh, he also is known for some mistakes that he it makes throughout the broadcast. He's 83 years old. He's a darling. Everyone loves him, and uh, his voice is very soothing. But um, unfortunately, announcers should, they're not in the ballpark, and they should yeah. be. Yeah, so uh, hopefully as the year goes on, we will see that. But uh, the Yankees are winning tonight. If you did play the Yankees on the plus price after Herman was uh, was scratched due to a root canal, they lead five to one though, and uh, that is uh, that is where the Yankees stand right now. Um, earlier in this hour, Brad Evans, who we love, our uh, one of my favorite guests, uh, <laughs> he is absolutely smitten over Najee Harris. This year, good. Whether that, it's that's receiving told, yards, that's who I told you should win offensive rookie of the year, and you kind of shot me down because at you five to one, you no. don't like their offensive line. Oh, it's terrible. It's an absolute disaster. Uh, but you know, for offensive rookie of the year, um, it is not really based whatsoever on wins. So I think Najee Harris could win it. Uh, I would not be surprised at that price. I wouldn't play it, but I understand the expectation for Najee Harris this year is to get a ton of carries. And to be, you know, one of the, you know, be a bell cow. Uh, that's why they went and got him. But, yeah, they've got some serious issues. I, you know, I, let's just start with with the AFC North and the Steelers. To me, it is a two-team race. And to count out a team like the Steelers seems foolish at times. Sure. But, man, with everything going on there, with Ben Roethlisberger, another year older, the the performance they showed uh, in the playoffs against the Browns, just absolutely getting obliterated. I've got some serious, serious questions about the Steelers. I think four to one is is too too short of a price. And I, I, I do, if I had to pick it, I would pick the Browns. But I, I think this is a fate of the Steelers, which is hard to do. You know, they've never had a losing record since Mike Tomlin has been their head coach. And the over-under on wins this year is eight and a half. If I had to play it, I'd play under. I, I just think the Steelers team is going to have some serious issues this year. So uh, I am not high whatsoever on the Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you feel about their odds to make the postseason? Right now, if you're looking at DraftKings, it's plus 170 to make the postseason, minus 210 to not make the postseason. We know that the playoffs are a little bit of a different format now this year. Uh, there's going to be an extra team that's going to get in. Uh, so 
Does that sway you a little bit, or you still think that this is a Steelers team that will miss the postseason this season? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't play it at minus 210, but I, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I, I think it. I think the AFC, uh, the AFC East, I should say, you've got the Bills, you've got the Dolphins, and the Patriots. Patriots got better this offseason. Dolphins were a 10-6 football team. Obviously, it depends on the quarterback play there of Tua. Uh, Pittsburgh, or excuse me, Baltimore and Cleveland in the AFC North. Tennessee and Indianapolis in the AFC South. Both of those teams get an opportunity to beat up on the Jaguars and the Texans. Mm-hmm. I think the Chargers are better. Uh, Denver's got talent, but they've got massive questions at quarterback. So, you know, just counting it up, one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven uh, teams that I would trust before, actually nine, because then I skipped over Ravens and Browns. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't take the plus money. I, I just, I think this is, and I, look, we, we make predictions and, and prognostications mm-hmm. all the time on this network, and sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. I don't see it in the Steelers. Uh, I wish it was a juicier price to miss the postseason, but I don't think they're going to the playoffs. Last year, uh, some would say that their record was a little bit of an, an anomaly. Oh, big time. Um, they were the mo- They were the most... Fraudulent 11-0 team in the history of the NFL. Yeah, and because you looked at the teams that they beat and the quarterback situations that they had to deal with in those victories, and they lucked out a little bit with their schedule. And, yeah, started out 11-0, and then when they faced some real competition, you know, the Buffaloes of the world, the Cleveland at the end of the season, obviously, it didn't work out for them. I mean, their first loss was to Washington. Now, Washington ultimately... You know, won the division, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it was in Pittsburgh. It was that weird early afternoon Monday game because their schedule got messed up, yeah, uh, because of COVID. Um, but you know, looking at this team and diving deeper into it, I, it seems like you are of the mindset. And I don't disagree that Najee Harris is going to be the the crown jewel, so to speak, the the bright piece of this team this year. So. 1350 and a half is where he's looking at rushing and receiving yards combined combined I actually like that over yeah I, I don't I, I don't I, yeah I, I wouldn't be opposed to that we we talked about the receptions uh, earlier this hour uh, with Brad he loves over 43 and a half receptions I do too because he'll get 43 receptions at Alabama uh, now look it's different ball game now mm-hmm. but I think this emphasizes you know, you, you think about Le'Veon Bell, and this is what Brad talked about. Le'Veon Bell's success catching the ball out of the backfield. Najee Harris is already a guy who can do that. They flat out said this is a an every down type of back yes. running back in mm-hmm. Najee Harris. So I, I think over 43 receptions is absolute uh, a play on there in the receiving. Just looking at the running backs last year, uh, James Conner had 35 receptions. Uh, Benny Snell had 10 and then you look at Anthony McFarland, Jalen Samuels. So uh, they all went, you know, combined over 43 and a half. Uh, I think Najee Harris is better than all of them. So 43 and a half receptions. Yeah, I would play the over on Najee Harris receptions. I would agree with uh, with Mr. Evans uh, earlier in this hour. Uh, how high are you on any prop for the Cleveland Browns? Um, because, you, you know, you look at that team, you think that they're right up there uh, in favor to win that division possibly with the Ravens, and you like them as a possible playoff mm-hmm. team. Uh, whether it's Baker Mayfield or somebody else, uh, are the props for the Cleveland Browns attractive to you? You know, for, for me, the, the, the one that I, I like is, is to win the division at plus 145. I know it's not a prop, that's more of a future, but I, I think for them to win this division, 
uh, at plus 145. Just, you know, depending on where you look, some places they're the favorite, some places they're, you know, second. I mean, it's, it's pretty much a uh, dealer's choice between ba- uh, Baltimore and Cleveland. But I think Cleveland, building off of last year, the dominating victory over Pittsburgh in the playoffs, uh, almost beating Kansas City on the road uh, in, a, in a defensive battle, um, yeah, I, I think Cleveland has a chance. You got Nick Chubb in that backfield, one of the mm-hmm, better running mm-hmm. backs in the league. Um, so, and and I will say this: you know, we had Eric Eager on the show uh, not too long ago, and and looking at you know who will lead the league in, in rushing yards, uh, we talked about the odds at William Hill, and, and we've seen some movement. And my favorite play was Jonathan Taylor at twenty-five to one. That's been adjusted now down to twelve to one. But they were high on Nick Chubb. They felt like. Uh, he had a real good chance to potentially lead the league in rushing. So at 10-1, to 1, they, they thought that was a, uh, worth a flyer there. So you got Nick Chubb, uh, a defense that, in my opinion, uh, improved mightily in the, in, the, in the draft. You get Greg Newsom, the corner out of Northwestern in the mm-hmm, first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Sean King on the other day when he was in studio. He said he had Greg Newsom as his top corner. Uh, he loved Greg Newsom, and then Jeremiah Wusukormo of Notre Dame on uh, that linebacker course. So, um, yeah, I think Nick Chubb has a big year, and uh, I think plus one in forty-five for them to win the division is something to look at. Yeah, I can see that happening. I really can. I'm not as I, 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 I'm down on the Baltimore Ravens. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super high on them. Uh, not at all. And and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just don't really like that team's outlook. Um, and I and I think they fall short in a in a lot of areas. So yeah, I would think the Browns uh, would be a nice play to win that division. Baker Mayfield, by the way, is passing yard total thirty eight fifty. I can see this guy getting close to four thousand and over. So. Uh, maybe that's a play. Go over Baker Mayfield's passing yards this season. And uh, last year, just for comparison's sake, last year he threw for 3563 uh, in a 16-game schedule, so you get an additional game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 2019, he threw for 3,827 yards. So right around there. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, right around the number. And now you got that extra game to play with. The, the always the worry is where is that? T- if you're playing these season total props over, yeah, do they play in the final game? You know, is it a rest situation? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Do they have things all all situated? Uh, but speaking of passing yards, um, we, we talked about these props, and let's bring them back up real quickly. Uh, most passing yards in the season. So Patrick Mahomes is the favorite at 4-1. to one. Dak Prescott at plus 650. Josh Allen at 8-1. to one. Aaron Rodgers 10-1, to one, which is interesting. Um, I, I guess... It doesn't hurt you to have shorter odds than Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> if he plays, then then you don't want to be uh, in trouble. And then you know the list goes on and on. Uh, Baker Mayfield just mentioned twenty-five to one. Joe Burrow, I think, is intriguing there at fifteen to one because of the possibility of them being behind in a lot of games. Um, you know, Dak Prescott at plus six fifty. I think he was averaging about three hundred seventy yards per game before getting injured <sighs> last year. So that uh, is is intriguing there. So. Um, yeah, I would look a little bit at Dak, and then I think Joe Burrow may be worth a flyer just because of the, the likelihood of the Cincinnati Bengals needing to outscore their opponents throughout the season. I think Matt Stafford's an interesting play, 12-1. to 1. Take a look at that one there. There you go. So uh, a little football a little football discussion. We'll get back to the NBA Finals in the final hour of the program. Once again, your Stanley Cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they win one to nothing. That is Scott Steinberg. I'm Tim Murray talk a little Raiders but more so UFC 264 Conor McGregor gonna bounce back and win the trilogy 
talk to Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Top of the hour, right here on the Nightcap.